Welcome to Increasing Returns, a podcast by Heller House. At Heller House, we take the concepts of value investing and apply them to the industries of the future. I'm your host, Marcelo Lima. Increasing Returns is for informational purposes only. Heller House most likely holds positions in securities mentioned. I hope you enjoy the episode, and if you like what you hear, follow me on Twitter at Marcelo P. Lima and subscribe to our email list at hellerhs.com. Roblox, the coming ad titan. Roblox held an investor day early in November, and the two most compelling presentations in terms of new information presented were by Christina Wooten, VP of Brand Partnerships, and Kavita Kanekar, who leads economy engineering. If you're not familiar with Roblox, there's a primer we wrote back in June, which is also a podcast episode 10. Check it out. The links are in the show notes. The only meaningful way Roblox monetizes right now is through user purchases of its in-game currency, Robux. As a player, I might spend Robux to play a game, purchase an avatar, or some other in-game virtual good. But those won't be Roblox's only monetization surfaces for long. Take a look at Roblox's user base. There's an image in the post. Users have more than doubled in just two years, and the fastest growing group is older than 13 years old. Wherever eyeballs go, ads will follow. In 2004, the year Facebook launched, one of its first advertisers was MasterCard. They were targeting a very focused demographic, college students, and trying to reach them early in their financial journey. The cost of customer acquisition, or CAC, was likely very low since there was little competition for ads on Facebook. The news feed didn't even exist yet. This is an excerpt from The Facebook Effect by David Kirkpatrick from those early days when the company wasn't called Meta or Facebook, but The Facebook. Quote, One of the first advertisers was MasterCard, seeking applications for a special credit card for college students. But like Y2M itself and most of its other advertisers, MasterCard executives were skeptical that Facebook could really deliver results. So instead of simply paying to display ads, as it did with this campaign on other college sites, MasterCard agreed to pay only when a student filled out a card application. At this point, the Facebook operated about 12 schools. MasterCard turned on its campaign at 5 p.m. on a Thursday. Within one day, it received twice the applicants it had expected for the entire four-month campaign period. The Facebook was getting ads in front of exactly the right customers, wealthy undergrads at the best schools. MasterCard continued advertising, end quote. This type of advertising is known as Direct response, a company will pay to get a specific action from a potential customer, usually an app install, purchase, or in the example above, a filled out credit card application. The disruption we've seen in this year's third quarter earnings for advertising networks is a result of Apple's kneecapping of this capability, not the ability to show these ads, but rather the ability to measure and attribute their conversion. With the elimination of Identifier for Advertisers, or IDFA, Apple reduced the ability to track the efficacy of ads, dramatically raising CAC. 
from the Wall Street Journal, quote, Loose leaf tea seller Plum Deluxe used to gain a new customer for every $27 it spent on Facebook and Instagram ads. Then, Apple Incorporated introduced a privacy change restricting how users are tracked on mobile devices. Now the company spends as much as $270 to pick up a new customer. Companies will spend on CAC if the lifetime value of its customers, or LTV, is much higher. For example, if it costs Plum Deluxe $27 to acquire a customer who will end up purchasing $500 of tea, and that tea has a 40% gross margin, the LTV might be close to $200. That's a healthy LTV to CAC ratio of 7.4 times. Clearly, if the cost to acquire a customer jumps to $270 per customer, Plum Deluxe no longer has a business. The solution is to avoid Apple's tracking change altogether and perform the entire chain of events, show the ad to the user and convert, that is, sell the tea, inside Facebook, rather than taking the user outside Facebook's walled garden. This will give Facebook enough first-party data to train its advertising algorithms on targeting in a post-IDFA world, bringing CAC back down to earth. The choice of words here, walled garden, is deliberate because it brings us back to Roblox. It doesn't have a sizable ads business yet, but it will. Right now, brands are still experimenting on Roblox like MasterCard was on the Facebook in 2004. Here's how Christina Wooten put it. Brands have been on the platform for many years, and when they first came on, they created virtual items or branded missions and scavenger hunts to integrate into existing experiences. At the time when I first joined the company, our teams were going out proactively pitching brands and educating them on Roblox and telling them why they should be on the platform. And many of them started to come on, and they saw engagement numbers they've never seen before. And now we have so much demand. Everybody's reaching out how they can enter this space. Her entire segment is worth watching. The link is in the show notes. Wooden goes over a few case studies. Gucci created a garden inside Roblox and in one month had 40 million visitors. Warner Brothers promoted a movie, In the Heights, attracting 900,000 viewers in one day. Cartoon Network launched its Ben 10 experience and saw 160 million visits. Zag from Miraculous Ladybug had 250 million visits. Jailbreak had 5.4 billion visits. And NASCAR had 24 million visits in 10 days. These are remarkable numbers which is why it wouldn't have the best line of the entire investor day. In the next three to five years, every brand will have a Roblox strategy. These are examples of the other type of advertising, brand advertising, that seeks to imprint a brand in the user's mind for later recall and consumption. But why stop there? With commerce permeating every major social platform, the conversion can happen, and now because of Apple, must happen inside the app. Consider the types of ads Roblox does have right now from Connect Cars presentation. We currently have on-platform ads for developers uh, to promote their experiences. So this year, we rebuilt the whole system. We launched dedicated ranking on game discovery pages to improve the user experience. We saw that it did not just improve the user experience, but it improved ad conversion rates 40% on desktop and 60% on mobile. We added targeting criteria like age, gender, and platform. 
We fixed reporting. We worked on it. Now we are able to track and attribute gameplay sessions to the sponsored ads. And what's in work is we will be working on launching world-class ad-serving system and adding more, adding and optimizing more outcomes and more targeting criteria as we go. Did you catch that? The holy grail of advertising, tracking and attribution, closing the loop on advertising spend. Her entire segment is also worth watching. The link is in the show notes. But what might this do to those tens of millions of potential shoppers inside Gucci Garden or any of the other experiences from Witten's presentation? David Bazuki, Roblox's co-founder, drops the hint at the end. So, so Kivita, that was awesome. And I, I think we have many brands where we're starting to have that vision of when I'm already wearing that brand with one more click having the physical version of that delivered. Exactly. We are at that inflection point, I think. It's the right time. It's the right time. The opportunity is huge. Roblox is on track to generate $0 per daily active user in ad revenue this year, compared to over $55 per global daily active user generated on Facebook. That's globally. In North America, Facebook generates north of $230 per daily active user in ad revenue. And there is a massive arbitrage to be had. A developer asked this question in the Roblox Developer Forum. Developer, what is an acceptable cost per click for sponsors? I tend to get about one to three Robux cost per click and anywhere between two to four Robux CPP cost per play. Is this an okay amount to aim for? Also, I heard a while ago that sponsors weren't worth running though I've had much more success with sponsors than ads so far. Are my ads just bad, or am I running sponsors instead? Here's the going rate on most ad platforms. Key average cost per install statistics. Average mobile ad cost per install is about $5.28 in North America. iOS, that is the operating system on your iPhone, Cost per install globally is about $3.60. On Android, it's about $1.22. For iOS games, it's $4.30. For Android games, it's $1.15. And Facebook ads cost per install, this is back from 2019, is about $1.04. These are broadly right. Now, here's Matt Curtis, VP of Developer Relations at Roblox, at the RDC, the Roblox Developer Conference in 2021. Quote, but if you further want to expand your distribution, there's always sponsored experiences. We continue to improve this. We've added targeting, we've added scheduling, and I wanna say it's so affordable relative to other ad networks. In fact, the average cost per click for a sponsored experience is between two to three Robux. That's two to three cents. When you compare that to the leading ad networks, cost per clicks are generally in the 2 to $3 range. So this is 100x less than what you pay elsewhere. And it allows you to scale your games in your experiences and ensures you have a healthy user base for anything you want to do, end quote. This is a huge cost delta, and it's typical of nascent ad networks. There are lots of eyeballs on Roblox, but very little competition for ad bidding, just like the Facebook back in 2004. This means... It should be a huge opportunity 
for marketers, including companies like Plum Deluxe, looking to acquire customers more cheaply than on Facebook. Shopping in the metaverse. The first time I tried the Oculus Rift was in 2017 at Facebook's headquarters in Palo Alto. See photo. One of the first experiences I tried was grocery shopping. I don't remember the exact name of the experience, but it's just what you'd expect, a virtual supermarket where you could pick up items and toss them in a shopping cart. Yes, it was totally skeuomorphic, meaning a transplantation of the non-virtual reality world into a virtual reality world, kind of like the way the first advertisements on the internet were banner ads trying to look like newspaper ads, right? It was sort of jamming this old format into a new format and it doesn't really work until we discovered native formats. But that's the point. The sense of immersion and presence was incredible. Being able to quote, touch and visually inspect the product just felt real. And my immediate thought was that shopping in VR will one day be huge. And this was with an early headset. The Quest 2 is more immersive than the Rift and future headsets will only get lighter and offer higher resolution. What's underrated is how much the brain fills in the blanks. Despite the screen door effect, which are these little squares that you see on the screen because it's still not high resolution enough, and being connected to a PC with a cable on the Rift, I still felt incredibly immersed, which reminds me of something Wooden said about Gucci Garden. And what I love is I always hear from people who says, I would love to do this in the real world, but I've never been able to, but now I feel like I have. And that's what's really important about these experiences is they're memorable. People feel, if you, if you speak to them, they say, oh, I've been to the Gucci Garden. They feel like they've really been there. And in the first month, this launched September 1st, they saw almost 40 million visits and a 94% rating. So our audience absolutely loved it. They feel like they've really been there. And Roblox isn't exactly high resolution. Yes, the vision is to get there eventually. These experiences were consumed on mobile and desktop. Roblox has a build once, run anywhere philosophy. And Bazuki has said he'll support virtual reality in the future. What happens when we all have virtual reality headsets? The sense of immersion will be orders of magnitude greater. I'll bet engagement goes up as well, which means conversion, clicking on those ads to close the loop on the purchase, will go up too. If we squint, we have all the ingredients for a burgeoning ad network juggernaut, a self-contained walled garden with first-party data and no IDFA concerns, a growing population of users and a flywheel of more developers leading to more experiences and more users, an incipient ad network with prices 100 times cheaper than elsewhere, making it cheap to experiment, and demonstrated product market fit. As Wooden said, quote, they saw engagement numbers they had never seen before, and now we have so much demand, end quote. Thank you for listening to Increasing Returns by Heller House. For more information on what we discussed in this episode, check out the show notes. If you like this episode, please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review. This helps others find the show. We'll see you next time.